0: This is the Wesson Walker Show.
1: Even the crowd knows what's coming next. Head coach Hogger
0: told us he don't want anything vanilla today. We got to show you the entire playbook because we're coming to win after a preseason game number one where it was less than ideal zero points. Bryce Young gave you a great comment saying he'd like to score points this week. That was his analysis. We're going to give you plenty of analysis as well. It's Weston Walker, Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. We like to yell on War Cry Wednesdays. It's been a lifelong tradition for two weeks now. (laughs) On Fridays, do we want to still do a yell because it's... Let's go! go! Fitty, I need Fitty Football Friday from you. Can you give it to me over there behind the board? I'm gonna count down, and I need some loud noises. Okay, I'm gonna Three, give you a double up. Two, one, go. It's <gasps>
1: <laughs> that was way better than i could ask is he more. all right did he have a heart attack or something back
0: then? i feel like you just busted a blood vessel in your eye because you were <laughs> screaming so much but i still love it i love all love it we got a game against the giants hopefully we get better things on a football friday let's pull up to the scene with our crazy bus driver over there and let's get <laughs> off the bus
1: we look good getting off the bus i got something to say Damn.
0: listeners, do not hesitate to yell if you need to in your cars right now
1: to get ready for this game.
0: What do you think people will say beside them, though, if
1: they see someone just sitting in their car just screaming at the top of their lungs? Oh,
0: they're listening to Wes and Walker. I feel you. I think it's going to be an embracing moment. I was thinking the same thing. They're
1: going to pull up to the scene just like we do
0: with our bus. They're going to see somebody yelling at absolutely nothing, not road rage, because it's a red light. They're stopped right there in the intersection, and they're going to see the car right beside them. They're going to be yelling like a crazy person, and they're going to... They must be listening to Wes and Walker. That's exactly what that answer is. Kickoff tonight between the Panthers and the Giants, 7 p.m., preseason game number two. And, man, we need a better game than what we got in preseason game number one. Wes, I'll ask you this, because we opened up the week with a panic meter. How much will we panic if we get anything close to the same result tonight?
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is an evil laugh. That is uh, evil. If you get the same result tonight and if the Giants start their best players and you get some Dexter Lawrence shots and some uh, Kayvon Thibodeau shots and some Leonard Williams shots, I think the panic meter will go up to minimum eight. Minimum for Panthers fans.
0: It won't be at one and a half anymore for me. It'll go up a little bit more. it <laughs> will go to three, four, what? Yeah, It'll at least go to two. <laughs> it won't go to eight, but it'll be, all right, now the offensive line not performing well against both of the New York teams. Now it's going to be a little bit of a problem. But I do want this offensive line, of course, to play a lot better, and we'll get to some of the game day dubs. It's the new segment that we launched last week after the first, uh, or earlier, I guess, uh, um, in this football season when we got to see Carolina take on the Jets in, in game number one. So we'll have who has the most to prove, what's the stat line you want to see from the receivers. We'll get to all of that a little bit later on in the show. But it will be panic time, I think, for a lot of
1: people. I think we should call 10 a Lombardi after what we heard yesterday. Lombardi level. Yeah, that's a great one. Lombardi level is
0: firing Frank Reich after three series. Yeah, You know, I... I know Kyle Bailey actually led his show off with that on Thursday. I heard Mac and Bone talking about it today, and I went back and listened to the clip. Man, you almost wonder if Lombardi was actually listening to or actually watching the game in real time because only three series, and as Mac pointed out today, Bryce Young, got hit, but he only got hit three times, and he didn't say anything about C.J. Stroud, and C.J. Stroud got hit apparently on more dropbacks than what Bryce Young did, and one of those hits, by the way, was the last play that Bryce Young played, right? He got sacked at the very end of the last series and then he didn't come back out onto the football field. Frank Reich, to me, handled that completely fine. Would you have done anything different if you were Frank Reich? Would you have put him out there for that third series? Because that's essentially what we're asking. Yeah, of course. He needs the reps. 100%. I think he handled it perfectly. I don't. I didn't want to put him out there for a fourth series. After a sack, he had one because Michael Jordan got blown up on the spot. And then Frank Reich decided that he wasn't going to put Bryce Young out there anymore. I don't think I would have done anything differently. You get two series in the first quarter, got nothing going. They were bad situations. Certainly that second possession that you had backed up against your own goal line. You put him out there again, he gets sacked, all right, I'm done playing with fire, let's bring him out. I really don't have any problem with the way Frank Reich used Bryce Young in that game. And so if he does anything like that again, I'll be cool with it. Hopefully the offensive line performs a lot better and honestly can't really go anywhere but up,
1: I would think. Yeah, I think so too, man, and I think this offensive line, the thing I want to see and the thing that would be the most disappointing is the fact that This group has something to prove. Like, I'm big into the intangibles, the mentality. We know this group got embarrassed last week. We know the week of practice has probably been very difficult for them. And so I want to see the reaction when they come out tonight. Because if they don't come out and look good after a week in which you were uh, criticized all week long, after your coach came out and said the things that he said, after players on the line themselves came out and said what they said, then I expect nothing but a... Uh, big-time effort from this group because if you don't get it after everything you endured this week, then either you just don't care or either this group just doesn't have the talent. And I would like to think that this group has the talent and that they'll come out tonight and have a much better showing.
0: What level of creativity do you want to see? I know Colin was discussing this on Charlotte Sports today. He, He said it felt arrogant that everything was going to be fine in regular season game number one. They didn't need to show you anything they didn't need to run real game time reps in preseason. And then we get to the regular season and it'll all be good. Everything will be, you know, clicking on all cylinders. How much creativity do you want to see? What is the happy medium here of yeah, not showing too much? Yeah, I want to see them much? come
1: out there and do what they need to do to, to score points. I want to see them does run that mean?
0: Th- does that mean, hey, do whatever you have to do? Uh, like, obviously you're not showing the trick plays, but you're getting out into what script. your normal offense Yeah,
1: come out with a script of normal plays that you would run in a game. That's what I want to see.
0: I wonder how much usual offensive coordinators actually hold on to that kind of thing and how much they actually hold back. Because I think when you talk about a Sean McVay, who doesn't put his starters out there, a lot of people have talked about that. Hey, especially when he had the Super Bowl contenders. Now it's a little bit different. But when you have the Super Bowl contenders and you don't want to throw out your ones in preseason, that would be the point of conversation. But does he show you anything in the offseason? Does he show you anything in the preseason? Or are those guys proven commodities enough? This is the fine line. What I want to know is Frank Reich not showing a ton of the playbook How much is that okay when you have a rookie QB who's never played in the NFL before but if the rookie QB wasn't a rookie if he was a four-year guy and then you don't show anything and then you have that offensive line performance but we're not worried about the QB because we know what he can do what we're worried about the offensive line then I wonder if you just still keep it vanilla because you know what your quarterback can do part of this even if we feel very confident is that he's playing his second ever organized game in the NFL and it doesn't even count and so for me that is a little bit of a hard line to navigate how much do we show how much do we want to keep this a surprise for our smaller but fantastic first-time QB out there there are a lot of questions where this is a little bit of the the tough navigation in my opinion for a head coach on how much you want to show in the preseason but almost how also how much you want to be productive in the preseason
1: yeah and according to Frank Reich New York and that defense he plans on them showing them everything tonight Uh, He plans on them, giving them exotic blitzes and looks uh, from defensive coordinator Don Martindale. And so tonight, I think they definitely can't really afford to be vanilla because if the Giants play the way Coach Reich says that they'll play, then uh, some of these blitzes and things of that nature are going to be getting home if they don't try to adjust to it or try to have anything to counter what New York is doing.
0: All right, I love this text from 336, and I want to steal this take. I want to see French vanilla instead of fat-free, sugar-free vanilla. Totally with it. French it up. French (laughs) it up a little bit. Just give me a little French vanilla, Frank Reich. I love that. Yeah, maybe add a little something because I also find it hard to believe if you throw something out there, right, that is even a little bit creative, a little bit of eye candy, putting somebody in motion, doing whatever, is that going to be so revealing that it can't be successful in the regular season. I go back and forth on this because Jim Thorpe says, I want to see zero creativity tonight. There's absolutely no reason to see it. The reason is to feel good going into the regular season. So that's the reason to see it. Creativity allows Bryce Young to get a positive possession under his belt, maybe breeding more confidence with what he's about to face against Atlanta, which doesn't have the toughest defense in the world. They made sure. a few off-season additions, but pass rush is going to be a big problem for them this year. We'll see. At least we expect it. At yeah. least we expect it. But Jesse Bates, they get a little better on the back end. So when we're talking about the Jets and the Giants, I, I do wonder, man do we talk about it this way if they have different opponents? Because you're right. The Giants defensive line, it is good. I don't know how many guys are going to be healthy. I don't know how many of their ones are going to be playing, but it's a good defensive line. The Jets defensive line, it came in. We knew that they were going to be good before we saw hard knocks. We knew they were going to be good before we saw them take the field against Carolina. We just thought the offensive line would perform a lot better. But man, these are two of the best upfront units in all of the National Football League. And so you put all of this into a blender rookie QB new head coach how much do you want to show how much do you want to hide oh now they have two great defensive lines it's really tough to navigate in my opinion and I know a lot of people want to see now the French vanilla maybe spicing it up just a little bit
1: yeah and when you look at this Giants unit last year they ranked among the bottom uh realm of NFL defense when you talk about them being 18th uh, in terms of total defense above the 19th from the Carolina Panthers. So this is a defense that's still looking uh, to improve as well. And so that'll be interesting. But we just know that they have some players up front that can be scary for the Panthers if they don't take care of them, if they play tonight. That's a key, too. I'm interested to see what the Giants are going to do as far as who they're going to play. Are they going to play Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams and the crew and, and Thibodeau and all those guys? We'll see because we know the new trend in the NFL. Nobody plays anybody. But yet and still, that would be even... Even more disheartening if the Giants don't play those guys, and then this offense comes out and still sputters.
0: All right, I apologize to the 336 number with the French vanilla text. Dog Park Doug is who that is. He says, Man, y'all ain't got me saved yet. Well, now we do. I did want to update you on a few other injuries for the Panthers and the Giants, specifically on the offensive side of things. The Panthers will be without running back Miles Sanders. He has a growing injury. Wide receiver Terrace Marshall Jr. has a back injury, still Varying reports on the timetable, so we expected him out a couple of weeks, but possibly he could return sooner. Don't know how serious that's going to be heading into the regular season, but Terrace Marshall is going to be out of the preseason, at least in this game. I would expect he's not going to play game number three either. The back issue is showing up for him. Andy Dalton, also unlikely to take the field with a back injury sustained in practice on Monday. Do you care at all about seeing Andy Dalton, or should this be the Bryce Young for a little portion of the game and then... And the Matt Corral show the rest of the way.
1: Yeah, I mean, Andy Dalton, you pretty much know what you're going to get with him. I would rather see uh, Bryce Young going in Matt Corral. I'm with you. Totally with you. See Matt Corral in a second opportunity to be able to redeem himself. I think that's a key part of tonight as well.
0: Well, the injury is baked into this, but it, maybe if he was healthy, I could see a couple of series just so he could work with his guys a little more, work with some of the receivers that he might be throwing to. But I have no problem with this being a Bryce Young, then Andy Dalton. Um, excuse me, Bryce Young, then Matt Corral type of thing. Giants defensive uh or excuse me Giants offensive injuries you have they won't play QB Daniel Jones they won't play Saquon Barkley they won't even play backup QB Tyrod Taylor for extended stretches this week so don't expect any of them expect more snaps with undrafted rookie Tommy DeVito under center Ooh. Tommy Red DeVito. Yeah, better eat. Yeah. <laughs> we talked about Tommy DeVito before, yeah. and it was not good. We, we discussed our love <laughs> with Eric Dungy, the quarterback for Syracuse, and now you have Tommy DeVito going out there who looked real scared when we talked with him at ACC kickoff when he was a freshman, and that was Dino Baber's ploy. He wanted him to take up all of what he was not used to, all of the attention. So, yeah, you're right. Like, I think if DeVito is throwing – I would like the defense to win that battle.
1: Yeah, no doubt. And that Giants defense was 18th in scoring defense. So, yeah, but if Tommy DeVito's out there, this is a guy that was just, ooh, I mean, it's amazing to me that he's on an NFL roster.
0: (laughs) I would not have guessed that. I would not have guessed that. All right, the music's over. That means we got to stop. That's the end of getting off the bus. Let's move on to the game day dubs. Who has the most to prove in game two? What stat line do you want to see from the wide receivers? We'll get to that all coming up next on Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.
1: McDonald's is not new to chicken.
0: Text texted in that he wanted to see some French vanilla offense this time. All-American geologists texted in at 704-570-9610. He said they need to sprinkle some chocolate chips to that vanilla. I was looking at some other vanilla-flavored things, and you can tell me if you want to see the offense look like this. Do you want to see creme brulee, vanilla creme brulee tonight? Is that a good level of creativity?
1: It is. It's very, you especially wanna, coming from you.
0: What, so is that too bougie? Is that a bougie <laughs> joke? Is that what we did?
1: You hit the buzzer? Have you ever had creme brulee
0: before?
2: I have. Not a big creme brulee guy. And also, it's week two of the preseason. Save that for, like, week 11 against Dallas.
0: Oh, you want to—okay, so you maybe don't like it, but you realize that that is way too creative, and so you don't want to show that anywhere close to preseason game two.
2: Yeah, if they come out tonight and they're running their full playbook, maybe Michael Lombardi is right, and maybe Frank Wright shouldn't have gotten a head coaching job in the NFL.
0: Vanilla creme brulee. You're. I mean, if you have to bring a torch to something, that means— you're coming out guns a-blazing, so you're totally right. Creme brulee—it's too much. I don't want to see that tonight. We need to find a different dessert with vanilla. What about vanilla bean? Like we'll keep it a bean with you, vanilla. Okay, <laughs> is vanilla bean creative enough for you I'm with today? That as well. Okay, yeah, so we'll, we'll, maybe we could just be vanilla bean offense this time. Last one: vanilla meringue. Seems a little too spicy. <clears throat> vanilla meringue mm-hmm.
2: doesn't even sound good, to be honest with
0: you. Oh no, you're wrong about that. It does sound good. You don't think vanilla meringue sounds good? You have a very
2: uh, varied palate, sir. I'm gonna take that as a compliment because at least I don't believe that if you have one New York pizza, you've had them all. He he was talking to me, I think,
1: because I think yeah, um, I was talking to yeah, I was talking to him. <laughs> you wanted to jump in and try to insult me or something?
2: <laughs> well. I mean, it is No Rules Friday.
0: So. Uh, it is. No, it's Football Friday. Can't, do we still have two Fridays now, or is it just I one? I called it
1: No Rules on the story. on. Um,
0: it. I like No Rules. I don't want to do. lose No Rules Football Friday. That's we, what it is. Can, can we a, just combine?
2: Yeah, it's No Rules Football Friday, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm feeling salty today.
0: Okay. I'm salty Ooh. vanilla. Okay. Vanilla salt. Uh, hustle Hand said, as long as it's not a vanilla ice offense. Yeah, that's good. You want vanilla ice. That's what you want. That
2: was just a bad text.
0: Oh, I like it. No. Hustle hands. You keep hustling with those hands, man.
2: Oh, okay. You see. You up, I you like being like your, your, your single dog caretaker this weekend or whatever. You've you said in with I some like dad being that? Jokes. Okay. No, no you, that's what you're doing. Oh, You've that's You've come right. in with some dad jokes today.
0: I have come in with some dad I, I like a
1: good dad joke.
0: Cackalack uh, said, Fitty uh, Brule was said multiple times to help you out. Why did you say Bule? I don't even catch that. I didn't either. All right, we'll move on. Uh three, three six, I'm cool with the vanilla offense, but can I get a little whipped cream on top? Okay. That's pretty – I don't mind that. If you want to – maybe we want like a Sunday offense today instead of a vanilla offense. Is that too much as well? I'm I trying just to,
2: don't like whipped cream.
1: Uh, how do you not like whipped cream? Whipped cream is just straight-up sugar. That's all I do It doesn't like anything but chicken tenders, fried chicken wings, burgers, fries, Pop-Tarts. You know, look, <laughs> which is wh- why I'm surprised you don't like whipped cream. I'm
0: really surprised
2: if, if whipped cream's being put to use the way Lindsay puts it to use in two and a half men. Maybe I would be a more bigger fan of whipped cream, but I do not like it as a topping on my ice cream or pie.
0: That episode was on yesterday and I watched it very weird. You brought that up. Watched also, this morning. I'm ex- I, I was surprised you didn't go with the um, Varsity Blues whipped cream scene, which everybody goes to.
2: Never seen Varsity Blues. Mm-hmm. Mm, mm.
0: That's a bad one.
1: And
2: I'm a little ahead of his time though, so I I could
0: I'm not even a huge, huge fan of varsity blues. Like I like other sports movies more than varsity blues, but I'm surprised. Yeah. A lot of people do. Right. Um, okay. So vanilla ice cream sandwich, we could get that as well from eight Oh three. Yeah. All right. That's what we want to see. We'll go with the vanilla ice cream sandwich. All right. Let's go to the game day dubs between the Panthers and the giants and break this down into five different questions. Who, what, where, when, why, because the W has infiltrated this show. Wes and Walker on WFNZ. We'll start with the first dub to you, Wes Bryant. Who has the most to prove in game two in the preseason?
1: Uh I'm gonna go with I mean you could pretty much pick a guard here, but I'm gonna go with Brady Christensen. Uh I feel like with the game. It's been lower
0: been- on him than all the other guys that have that performed out there. Not anything that's bad. I'm not saying he was great. Yeah, no doubt. Just he's the guy that's gone under the radar more so compared to everyone else. And you have been saying, wait, not so fast. Brady is someone we need to pay attention
1: to. Yeah, I mean, after what I saw in the joint practices and then what I saw Saturday during the game, like I would uh, I would go with him. I think uh, on that side, is very important. And he has uh, the backup according to every depth chart, including Carolina's official depth chart, Chandler Savala, uh, is behind him. So if he's not getting the job done and Savala comes in and is what we think he could be potentially, then that job could get yapped. I'll go with Zavala right off the bat. Okay.
0: Without having had a bad performance in game one because he didn't play. The bar is not high, Wes. You have Michael Jordan. (laughs) You have other right guards that didn't perform well either. If Chandler Savala was drafted in the fourth round and we all felt very good about him and the only reason that he didn't play was because he was injured, I know that you have some rust that you might need to knock off against what could be a good defensive line this year. I totally get it. But the bar is so low, I think right off of the bat, you got pressure because the job is his to be had. Frank Reich talked about he was a little hesitant to say who was in the lead for that right guard spot because Zavala and your boy, Nash Jensen, because Chandler Zavala and Nash Jensen were still a part of the mix, but especially with Zavala, he wasn't able to play. So if Frank Reich is opening the door up himself— to make sure that Zavala has that chance to walk through and take that starting job, I think right off the bat he's the guy that has the most to prove because you don't have a lot of competition at that spot before Austin Corbett comes back.
1: Now, do we think though, because like I said, even on Carolina's depth chart, they have him as the they have him as a left guard backup. So, do you think that they would just swing him over if he if he plays that well and they get adequate play out of Christensen or? Yes,
0: especially especially because
1: you didn't see anything good over there on that side. Because if Nash Jensen plays well, like they expect him to, I would think that, because he's also listed as a left guard, so it would be interesting if the two rookies do end up. I would probably think Nash would go on the right side because he seems like more of a road grader. But yeah. Zavala's
0: a road grader, though, too.
1: Right, right, right. But I'm just saying, but Jensen, that's kind of his M.O., the offense that he came from. Like, Zavala did a lot more pass blocking at NC State than Nash did at, well, here's my, here's North my, Dakota State. yeah, here's my thinking, because
0: it, look, you want Zavala more because you drafted him mm-hmm. just flat out. Nash Jensen was not drafted. He comes in as an undrafted free agent. So if Zavala, you view as at least before all of this took place, all of the offseason workouts and all that, if you viewed him as the best offensive lineman compared between the two, mm-hmm. then there's a better shot at him being a top five guy. I I mean, look, Brady Christensen, I know you're not crazy high on him right now. If Brady Christensen isn't better than Nash Jensen, then that does spell a lot of trouble for your left guard as it currently stands, which it, it can happen. An undrafted free agent guard can come in and play really well. I think Andrew Norwell was undrafted, got a big old contract with Jacksonville, was a huge part of that 2015 Super Bowl team. So it can certainly happen. I just would expect Chandler Zavala to be that guy in the right guard spot, mm-hmm. and then Austin Corbett comes back, and then maybe Nash Jensen is the long play if Christensen is not playing very well going forward. Plus, you still have continuity. That's hard to beat. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, if if Christensen isn't performing well, then maybe you can flip-flop him. I, I just, Zavala would be the guy for me that I'm looking uh, at the most, me saying he has, he has the most to prove. Next question, the what a part of the dubs. What's the stat line you want to see from the receivers? You can answer it however you want. Just the reason I wanted to ask this question, because we didn't get anything from the receivers. A lot not their fault. Just like we saw with Bryce Young. Not really his fault because the offensive line got to him. But if Bryce Young can play within himself, you and I both obviously high on him, what do you want to see? What specific wide receiver stat line? Who do you expect to show out?
1: Just take it any wide receiver direction you want to with the what. I mean, I think from that group, you just want to see productivity, limited amount of drops, and ideally, if the Panthers go down and score a touchdown through the air, you'd probably like it to be one of the wide receivers just to make you feel uh, better about the group because, again, uh, still a lot of questions out there about this unit as far as what they can do. Uh, But I think as far as the stat line that you want to see, it just depends on how many possessions they play. I mean, you're talking, if they get to play three series on the evening. 3-4, 3 to 4. I mean, you'd like to see if they put the ball in the air. I guess maybe 50, 60% of the production in the passing game go to the starting wideout.
0: Yeah, I, I think for me, if I'm looking at the wide receivers, you know, you had Derek Wright as your three-reception guy, 35 yards. He was the leading receiver for the Carolina Panthers at that time. And we know Bryce Young only had 21 yards passing on four of six attempts, and he distributed the ball all across the board. Thielen, Chark, LaVisca, they all had targets. Chuba out of the backfield had a target. Mingo could have had Michael Jordan held his block. Possibly Bryce Young is able to pick up that first down. Yeah, I just think... I want to see a couple of catches for the receivers that are top notch that are getting some of the play. Mm-hmm. Your ones. The other thing is Shai Smith. Um, unf- look, not to say that it was good for Shai Smith, but it kind of was with Demir Bird going down with an injury. That's going to open up the opportunity for him to make the team a little bit more so with Demir going on IR. Unfortunate for him because he's always been one of the Panthers' favorites, came in as a guy that helped us out a long time ago, bounced around, productive, wide receiver, being Mm -hmm. able to make some rosters here and there. And I thought maybe this year. He can make the roster, but now he's on IR. So, Shy Smith, after a 20-yard reception in the last game, I wonder if he does enough for you to feel good about him being that last guy in or Derek Wright, who you talked about yes. here, Wes. I know you thought uh, a decent amount of him after the first game um, where there wasn't a whole lot to point to and say that is something that went well offensively.
1: Yeah, he came in and made the catches when asked. You know what I'm saying? He was uh, three, targeted three times. He made three receptions, so he was a guy that was productive out there. Can he come out of nowhere and seize a spot. That'll be interesting to see Uh, alongside uh, Javon Wims as well. He was another guy that made a couple of catches here and there. So Mm -hmm. uh, they've got some guys further down the depth chart that I know are fighting. So tonight will be uh, another opportunity for them to come out and see what they can do as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, kind of under the radar. How about seven targets for Javon Wims? That's more than double the next guy with Spencer Brown and Derek Wright, who each had three. Yeah, Javon, they were throwing to him a lot, but... Only had two catches for 23 yards. Yes. Let's go on to the next one. Where on the field will you be looking more so position group? So defensively, offensively, what position group are you going to be looking at the
1: most? Well, I mean, you already know, former offensive lineman, I'm going to be looking at the offensive line. I want to see how they're going to play tonight. Can they keep Bryce upright? Can they keep minimal, uh, I won't say damage, but just minimal contact on their quarterback? Does the jersey come out and it's still crispy white? I know the Giants play on field turf so you might not get all the grass things that you get from grass but just can they keep him upright uh and good to go and have productive jobs because on top of protecting him and making sure he's not hit a lot can you move the pile uh in the run game can you get points on the board we know without them playing well there will be no points put up on the board so yeah i think it's going to come down to the offensive line as it does every game
0: linebackers for me Brandon Smith, bad game in game one. Okay. Deion Jones, bad game for him. Kamu Gruje Hill played pretty well. I know he had what was it was a missed tackle, or maybe it was just him not being Johnny on the spot in one of those possessions. But overall I was pretty pleased with him. Still feeling good about him serving as a depth piece. But Wes, here we were coming into the offseason where it was hard to figure out the linebacking group. Shaq Thompson, Frankie Louvu, feel very good about them. Thompson, yeah, I know there are polarizing opinions, but he's a starter. We all all know he's at least an average linebacker that can, you know, play above or below average at any given game. Frankie Louvu, one of the more unsung heroes from last year in the entire National Football League. There was a chance for this team to have depth at that spot. There was a chance. Brandon Smith has the ability. Will it come to fruition in his second season? Deion Jones. Has had a lot of success before, but has been bouncing around to different teams for a reason. And then here you have Kamu Gruje hill who might be the training camp MVP, who had four interceptions during training camp. Is he going to continue to be a depth piece that you can look forward to as well? Linebacker has a decent amount of questions still, both positive and negative. I'm going to be looking a lot at the linebacker group against the Giants. A couple questions that will copy and paste from the first preseason game. When? When? When will Bryce Young exit the game? Played three series, one into the second quarter last week, which don't know if too many people expected.
1: Got to the second quarter. Do you expect that same thing to happen again? Uh, yeah, I think tonight I could see them three possessions or so for him once again. But also, I will also say with the caveat, it depends on how they look. If they come out in the first drive and go right down the field and get a score, if that's the case, I think maybe they go two. Um, so... I would say, though, if I had to gamble on it, I'm going to go with three.
0: I'm going to go at least three. I'm going to do the same thing.
1: If you have three preseason games, and but, then you... Oh, I was just going to ask you really quickly before you go. Would tonight be considered the dress rehearsal? Well, that's what I'm wondering. So, and that's how I would do it.
0: it I would like Bryce Young to play three series, four series, and... Let's say Bryce Young actually has a good possession. Hell, we're asking for one because we didn't get a good one in the first preseason game. So maybe you allow him to play the most amount of snaps. Preseason game number three, maybe you play him one series and just let it be the Matt Corral show and then allow him to get to regular season game number one. But here, I think he plays into the second quarter. I think Frank Reich, especially with them not rotating as much at right guard, maybe you have a little more continuity there. So you're throwing out the starters. No, you don't have Miles Sanders. You don't have Andy Dalton. So just basically, it's all about, are you going to let Matt Corral, I mean, (laughs) it was a Matt Corral show game one. Are you going to do that again and play Bryce Young even less? I think he plays a decent amount. What do you think, Fiddy? I
2: I think the problem with using this as a dress rehearsal, the opener is still not until September 10th. Like you still almost have three and a half weeks before your season opener, so if you're gonna have a quote unquote full dress rehearsal, shouldn't it be the final preseason game where you still have two and a half weeks before your opener?
0: The problem is I don't want to I don't wanna get so close to the regular season and then that last step that you have to get over before you get to the regular season, that's when you see some kind of injury with Bryce Young. And there's no buffer. You know what I'm saying? Like if, mm. if you have a good outing for Bryce Young this game,
2: then you might just call it quits. Oh, yeah. Now if he goes to like nine for eleven, leads right. two touchdown drives Put him on the bench. Right.
0: Very Brandon Miller, Alabama effect, too. Brandon Miller goes out the last game after a little bit of a rough summer league at the beginning. But hey, 27 point performance. Nah, nah you ain't playing again. Mike drop yeah. type of performance. Done. Okay, we're well, done. This is called good PR. And maybe this is what you do with Bryce. But if he's bad, you at least have a little bit of a buffer. Maybe you pick up a touchdown in the preseason game uh, three. And you only play one series. So that's kind of like my thing. That's my thinking on
2: it. Or do you go full Sean Payton where he left his offense out there last week until they score deep into the second quarter? Like, if if it's the start of the second quarter and Carolina's gone, they, they haven't even put a scoring drive together. Like, do you leave him in until he at least gets a field goal?
1: Yeah, that was wild because when I saw that last week too, when I turned to the game, I said, why <laughs> – Is Russell Wilson still in the game? Because I ask about it being a dress rehearsal, because if that's the case, then most of the time the starters play for a half and then that would be four to five possessions uh, for them. So I think that if you want to take that approach, I wouldn't be opposed to that either.
0: I like how Sean Payton is going to Denver just as a drill sergeant. Because I don't I don't know Dude how he looks lo- miserable. I don't know how lax he was in New Orleans, but he and Drew Brees were so on the same page yeah. that it didn't really matter. And know. now here they are. He's about to change everything. He's taking shots at Nathaniel Hackett. He's kinda of taking shots at Russell Wilson too. Clown show. And I Sean Payton I was like, Hey, you gotta go out there. You didn't prove anything last season. You were bad. Russell Wilson, flat out bad last year. Play deep into the second quarter in the preseason. Yes, you Super Bowl champion. Play deep into the second quarter because if it's anything like we saw last year. I don't want anything to do with it. We're going to fix this right now. Yeah, I think that's hilarious to see over there what's going on in Denver. But, yeah, Bryce Young, for me, I'm I, I'm kind of with playing him into the second quarter. Let's get some good possessions. Maybe this is a little bit of the dress rehearsal. Last one, maybe we can even answer it on the other side of the break, but let's go to at least a little bit of a foundation. Why will we be feeling good or bad after the game? Give us a quick take on The simple thing we're going to be looking for as to why we feel good or bad.
1: I think you'll be feeling good if the offense can get in there and be very productive, put points on the board. A lot of Carolina fans who say that the first game was much ado about nothing will be vindicated. So I think that's why uh, they will feel good. I think you will feel bad after the game if you get in there and Bryce is running for his life and getting hit way too much. And I think that's really all they care about. I know that. If the defense gets in and they don't play well, that will be an issue in and of itself. But I think if Bryce Young gets in there and takes a, a beating tonight, then I think that that will be the main thing that will make Carolina fans not feel good about this game.
0: Yeah, last week it was clearly Bryce Young. I didn't want to do the devil's advocate thing because it was so clearly Bryce. This, this week it's, it's offensive line. Does the offensive line play better? I'll keep it real simple. We're going to be feeling a lot better, even if you lose the game. We'll be feeling a lot better if Bryce Young isn't, you know, hit as many times as he was in preseason game number one. You're able to move the ball downfield, and we know that we won't be feeling very good if it's anything close to what we saw against the Jets. Let's go to the first Fitty Flash real quickly before we go to the Campus Corner. What you got, Fitty?
1: Fitty.
2: Well, if you guys remember yesterday during the live wire, Ron Rivera spoke, but he started to evaluate Sam Howell being the commander starting quarterback. I guess after another day of film, it became clear that Howell was the guy. He was named the starter uh, for Washington earlier today. And, And Ron said, quote, this is about what Sam did. Jacoby Brissett has been a true pro and done everything asked. And he's also helped mentor Sam. He's more than a viable quarterback, but there were certain things Sam had to show us, and everybody knew from my perspective it was Sam's to lose, and he did nothing to lose it, in quote. So the commanders have their starting quarterback, and he comes from quarterback university, which is the <laughs> University of North Carolina.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm happy for him. I can't wait to see what he does. I thought when they drafted him, I was going to be very intrigued to follow his journey uh, as a pro. So here we go, man. Sam Howe, congrats on earning the job. Now you got to go out there and keep it. 704, uh, 704 says, Sun Valley, stand up.
0: That's right. Sam Howe, getting yeah. a starting job. I'll be wrong about this. You guys can clown me if you want to. But I think Sam Howell is going to be a good quarterback. I do. thought he took way too much criticism for a bad offensive line. I I think if he's I think to the point where Washington is contending for a postseason spot this year, especially in the NFC. That's what I said last time. does That mean they're going to make it. I think they can contend. The roster is good around them. All right, we're already way too Bold deep. In the on the a segment. Friday, Let's go to baby. Campus Corner. It's coming up next. Weston Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.
1: McDonald's is not new to chicken. Walker Show, Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ on a football Friday, a no rules Friday. Hit us up on that text line, 704-570-9610. Follow us on social medias. The Wes and Walker Show on Twitter, WFNZ on Twitter and Instagram at Walker Mail, at HTB underscore Josh, and at Wes Bryant underscore 72 on Twitter and Instagram. And now let's go to the campus. Kona. All right, we've been talking about realignment ad nauseum. We all know it. We love it. Maybe you don't love it, but Stanford, it came out. Uh, last night that Stanford has been trying everything they can to get into this league. As last week, it was reported that Kyle and Stanford were just one vote short of getting accepted into the ACC. Both West Coast schools had votes in their corners, but Clemson, Florida State, North Carolina, and NC State stood in the way. Kyle and Stanford would need one of those schools to flip their vote. A report from Ralph Russo at the Associated Press says that Stanford is trying very hard to receive an invite from the ACC and might be willing to do so at a reduced revenue-sharing cost. Leaders from Stanford, California, Oregon State, and Washington State spoke Thursday, and Stanford told its colleagues that it had informed the ACC that it would be open to join the conference at a greatly reduced or even no media rights payout for several years. A person familiar with the discussions told the Associated Press whether getting Stanford and Northern California rival Cal at a cut rate will be enough to convince the necessary 12 or 15 ACC, ACC schools to vote remains unknown. What do you think about that? Stanford just saying, listen, we'll take little to no money. Just let us in.
0: That they're desperate because the Pac-12 is now the Pac-4, and all the good programs from that conference are gone football-wise. And Stanford, while they've had some success in football, it's not enough to make it make sense for them for the acc to welcome them in this goes back to the conversation that we had with joe Ovius, and you should go to the Ovius and Gilio podcast and check out their conversation with holden thorpe former chancellor of north carolina who had a big old say in what was going on when the acc was doing the whole conference realignment thing more than a decade ago the reason that this is even taking place it's that non-football guys are making these decisions, and they're doing so for academics, which makes sense. I'm not about to sit here and say, oh, who cares about academics? But they're not going to be bringing any money to the table when we talk about the ACC, which is what you need right now because of the distribution plan that Florida State is not happy with, that Clemson, even if they're not as vocal, that Clemson might not be as happy with. But Stanford is not going to be bringing in that money. California, they are not going to be bringing in that money. But they are excellent schools as far as the academics go. And so that's why I know Notre Dame, despite not needing to have any say on what goes on in the ACC because your football team is independent. Yeah. And then you want to try to say, oh, you should bring them in. But nah, we're not going to join the conference when that could just fix everything. No, Notre Dame, I'm sorry. If you want to join the conference, then we'll listen to your opinion. But if you don't, then what you have to say matters just as much as what Walker Mail down in Charlotte doing radio on WFNZ has to say, which isn't really a damn thing. So, (laughs) no, Cal, Stanford, it doesn't make sense. I understand that some of these chancellors and presidents and people that care about how your school looks academically, I understand why they would want to consider those schools. But football-wise, it doesn't make sense, and that's the reason that they're not a part of this conference as it stands right
1: and now. And then they also have some powerful allies that are trying to help them as well, according to a report that came out yesterday from Ross Dellinger at Yahoo Sports Former President of the United States George W. Bush and former Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice are on a campaign to encourage ACC leaders to rethink their position on acquiring both Stanford and SMU as well as Kyle Dellinger also reports that Rice and Bush have communicated with ACC officials in pursuit of a membership invitation for the schools in which they are vested. George Bush coming out of the woodworks to try to get SMU into the ACC. I mean, how wild is this? Politicians, Condoleezza Rice, also a former powerful person in Washington as well, getting in on the realignment talks, trying to get their schools into the league. I think it's just very fascinating. As I said, I'm a proponent of SMU coming in. I think that would be cool to add them as well. And if Stanford wants to come in at a reduced rate or whatever the case may be, then so be it, I guess. I mean, I've got no problems with that the, if they add
0: them. But I mean, it, it, it all has to do with you kind of liking SMU and that really being the only reason, right? Because it doesn't make much sense if these schools aren't going to be making a whole lot of money and diminishing the value, especially when Florida State is the team that wants to leave because they don't have enough money
1: as it stands right now. No doubt. I mean, SMU's a, uh they're a pretty good program as of right now, and also getting into Texas and schools being able to have an end to recruit into Texas and get some of that talent out of that talent rich state i mean it's it's as i said just smu the whole texas factor i think that will be an interesting add uh to the acc as well that's just my Thoughts on why it would be cool with SMU get in?
0: It, it look, yeah, it it would be cool because we remember the history of what they used to be with the Pony Express, and it would be cool because you can get that. That's the only that's the only selling point that they're holding on to by a thread, and even still, they're trying to say we'll take less money in order to join your conference, which goes to show one how desperate they are, and there's a reason for them to be desperate, right? And remember how I talked about the non-football people trying mm-hmm. to sway these decisions. Do you know of any team that Condoleezza Rice has coached? Do you know of any team that George Bush has been in, in front of? He <laughs> no, you know, almost maybe coached the Browns. Yeah, I guess that's true. I guess that's true. <laughs> maybe the Rangers, right? If you want to go to baseball, I know he's a big Rangers fan. Other than that, it's the non-football people trying to sway these decisions again. So, yeah, this is the problem, man. I, it's just, I don't see it happening. And I don't think it's a very good decision for them to bring in teams that aren't going to be contributing enough to help the financial distribution plan to appease what is chaotic Florida State. And then Clemson, again, who might not be speaking nearly as much, but might be feeling some type of way.
1: Yeah, Rice, the former U.S. Secretary of State, is a Stanford professor who serves as director of the school's Hoover Institute, a public policy think tank and research institute. And then Bush's wife, Laura, attended SMU in his presidential library. Library is located on the school's campus, man. So everybody trying to get in to get their schools there, the Pac-10, Pac-12, Pac-4, whatever you want to call it, man, it's just looking wild for them out west. But when we come back, we close out NC State's team week with our 2023 predictions. That and more on the Wesson Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.